Chapter Thirty of the Princess and Curdie by George MacDonald. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Peter. At the cottage on the mountain, everything for a time went on just as before. It was indeed dull without Curdie, but as often as they looked at the emerald, it was gloriously green, and with nothing to fear or regret, and everything to hope, they required little comforting. One morning, however, at last, Peter, who had been consulting the gem, rather now from habit than anxiety, as a farmer his barometer in undoubtful weather, turned suddenly to his wife, the stone in his hand, and held it up with a look of ghastly dismay. "'Why, that's never the emerald,' said Joan. "'It is,' answered Peter. "'But it were small blame to any one that took it for a bit of bottle-glass.' For all save one spot right in the centre of intensest and most brilliant green it looked as if the colour had been burnt out of it run run peter cried his wife run and tell the old princess it may not be too late the boy must be lying at death's door without a word peter caught up his mattock darted from the cottage and was at the bottom of the hill in less time than he usually took to get halfway the door of the king's house stood open. He rushed in and up the stair, but after wandering about in vain for an hour, opening door after door, and finding no way farther up, the heart of the old man had well-nigh failed him. Empty rooms, empty rooms, desertion and desolation everywhere. At last he did come upon the door to the tower stair. Up he darted. Arrived at the top, he found three doors, and one after the other— knocked at them all. But there was neither voice nor hearing. Urged by his faith and his dread, slowly, hesitatingly, he opened one. It revealed a bare garret-room, nothing in it but one chair and one spinning-wheel. He closed it, and opened the next, to start back in terror, for he saw nothing but a great gulf, a moonless night, full of stars, and, for all the stars, dark, dark a fathomless abyss. He opened the third door, and a rush like the tide of a living sea invaded his ears. Multitudinous wings flapped and flashed in the sun, and like the ascending column from a volcano, white birds innumerable shot into the air, darkening the sky with the shadow of their cloud, and then, with a sharp sweep, as if bent sideways by a sudden wind, flew northward, swiftly away, and vanished. The place felt like a tomb. There seemed no breath of life left in it. Despair laid hold upon him. He rushed down, thundering with heavy feet. Out upon him darted the housekeeper like an ogress spider, and after her came her men. But Peter rushed past them, heedless and careless, for had not the princess mocked him, and sped along the road to Gwynstorm. What help lay in a miner's mattock, a man's arm, a father's heart he would bear to his boy. Joan sat up all night waiting his return, hoping and hoping. The mountain was very still, and the sky was clear. But all night long the miner sped northwards, and the heart of his wife was troubled. End of chapter 30 Recording by Hannah Mary